Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA Podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neifer, your host, and today we're going to bring in as, a, as our guest, April Hemis. Uh, April, how are things going? Pretty good. We need rain pretty bad here in north central Iowa. So if you can do that for me, Paul, I'd really appreciate it. Well, I'm, <laughs> you know, if I could do that, April, I probably wouldn't be having this podcast with you. That's so, <laughs> yeah, I'd be, uh, yeah, I'd be uh, sitting on my yacht somewhere. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> now, when you say north central, uh, I think you're, you're near Mason City or somewhere up in that area. Is that right? Yep, and about 30 miles south of Mason City, or as we say in Iowa, an hour and a half north of Des Moines. So Okay, yeah. You're either, reference is either Des Moines or Cedar Rapids, it seems like. That's I mean, that's true. that's that, that's always your reference. Now, my, my reference is you're an hour and a half north of Des Moines. My farm that I have, the, my small farm I have in Iowa, would be about 45 or 35 minutes north of Cedar Rapids. So, uh, oh, you know, okay. So, and actually, I think weather-wise, I was talking to the person that's farming it. Uh, this was a week ago, and he was saying my corn looking pretty good right now. But I don't know if that's still true. And it seems like yeah. they've gotten some pretty good timely rains over there on the eastern side. Yeah, they have, and they just got. I talked to a guy yesterday, and they just got in, you know, a half inch random showers, but. Uh, we're hurting. I haven't had any significant rain for a couple of weeks. The corn still looks good. I got that nice, thick, deep black topsoil. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's holding in there, but the beans are starting to go fast. We've had a ninety plus to a hundred all this week and throughout the forecast. So we're gonna need some rain here pretty quick to keep those beans in line. Yeah, we had our well. We're I think yesterday was about a hundred. Uh, maybe 98, 99. Uh, last week, which I missed, I was out of uh, out of town, but last week, I think we ranged from about 102 up to 112. So, uh, uh, but that's, you know, people say, well, you're in, in, you're in Washington state, it never gets that hot. Well, every year yeah. we have 10 or 15 days in the hundreds. So yes, we're, we're part of that high desert area. So we, we definitely get the heat. So, um, well, let's go ahead and start with uh, your background. Uh, uh, you know, as far as, uh, um, you know, where you grew up, which obviously I think we already know that, but uh, college, uh, all, uh, let's just go through your background. Life according to April. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I am here farming my family's century farm. Um, it's been in the family over 120 years. Um, I went to Iowa State University. I have a degree in animal science. Um, okay. I, also, I worked, um, I graduated right at the beginning of the farm crisis yeah. so uh, my goal was always to come home and farm but at that point it just wasn't very timely so i worked in a let's see what did i do worked in a bank i did research at iowa state university um worked at a iowa swine testing facility and ended up um scooping more manure in washington dc working for a congress <laughs> there and then um i said you know i I always wanted to get into international ag, but not this way. And I just said, I'm just, now is the, I thought now that was the best time to get into ag. All the prices were low and my dad and grandpa were home. So 
Um, I said, I'm coming home. And my dad said, no, you're not. And it was my grandfather who said, if she wants to come home, she's coming home. So <laughs> 38 years later, I'm still at home on the farm. Well, good, good. So um, let's just go into, I, I assume since you're in Iowa, you only grow two crops, corn and soybeans. Is that right? Or am I missing one crop? No, you're, that... you're, not, you're not missing one unless you count hay or alfalfa. So... <laughs> So I do have pasture land and I used to have a cow calf herd. I farrowed to finish and had a cow calf herd. And boy, when grandpa and dad retired, something had to go. And um, <laughs> the hogs went first because I ended up buying land instead of putting up a hog house, which I'm very happy I did that. And then um, um, let's see, then the cattle went later. Um, I always say the the cows, it was economically the easiest decision I made, but emotionally the hardest because, you know, they become your pets, those yeah. those good old girls. So, um, yeah, just corn and soybeans now. I rent my pasture out. My, uh, you know, my wife and I, we'd bought this little, I'm going to call it a ranch, had a couple hundred acres about five, six years ago. And we started with some cattle and and my wife was actually ended up sort of be a little scared of it because you go out there in the wintertime and you have the pail of feed you're going to feed them a little grain and here comes 10 head of cattle come flying <laughs> at you and knocking you over and she said okay if it, 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 she basically said it's either the cattle go or paul you go so i got rid of the cattle well and i had kind of the same experience only mine was with uh uh let's see with a tractor the front end broke and the tractor tipped over and then we were treating for pink eye and my dad put a post in behind me and crushed me and oh. the was backing up you know all those yeah. stories that you hear so yeah yeah, yeah my yeah. husband did the same thing okay it's time and i yeah. go fine you know it was getting to be an it was getting to be a lot for just me with with yeah. the land and everything else because yeah it's I farm close to a thousand acres and I do it all myself. My husband has the real job in town. Thank God he pays my insurance and, you know, that backup, that income, you know, the, yeah. the really good income and the mostly health insurance. And so um, he doesn't help me at all on the farm. So it's just me. So, well, that's, that, that's good. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, talking about cattle doing stuff. I still remember as a young boy, I mean, I was probably seven or eight and I was watching my dad help deliver a calf and I can't remember if he pulled the calf or what happened. I don't think he pulled it, but he was helping deliver the calf. And I still remember this mama cow sort of got up and, you know, instead of going to, to the calf, she saw my dad there and you could just hear I could just see how she was processing things. She was going, you know, this human being really doesn't belong here with me. And yep. my dad noticed that right away. He got over to the corral, or the corral, but the cow caught him and flipped him up over the corral. And uh, I still remember, I don't think my dad's ever flown that far before. So, I mean, he probably went 10 feet up in the air. So, uh, yeah, yeah but, we, anyone who has had livestock has great stories to tell. Yeah. And yeah and and to t to live to tell about them yeah so. exactly exactly yeah. so so you're farming about a thousand acres right now you're doing it all yourself uh, i gotta ask what color paint are you green paint red paint yellow paint what what color equipment do you have you know i grew up colorblind because my grandpa would go to farm sales and buy whatever was cheap mm, and then okay. and he and i i'm green i'm all green and there was a conscious decision there 
because I had a red dealer 10 miles away and a green dealer 10 miles away, but my husband works right across the street from the green, from John wow. So that was kind of an easy decision there. He could pick up parts for me and, you know, yep. and such. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I, and my grandfather was not very happy with me. And I said, grandpa, I don't have anybody to run 30 miles for parts. Yeah. And, and so he, he conceded. He said, yeah, I guess you're right. So. Now, were you always a thousand acres or did you start off a little bit smaller and then grew up or grew grew the operation? Yeah, since I've come home, I've added 200 acres. So um, that's probably one of my biggest regrets is I should have bought more younger, but it's easy to look back. And my grandfather, who lived to be 101 years old, you know, think of what he saw in his lifetime, started farming three horses and he said, well, I could have bought that farm and I could have bought that farm. I'm like, Grandpa, he goes, yeah. hey, girl, money wasn't easy to come by back then. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. so anyway, but I mean, I still farm a piece that 200 acres he bought for $100 an acre, you know, in the 30s. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's paid for itself over and over again. Is, because uh, I know, you know, that Northwestern part of, Iowa, we got the twenty twenty five thousand dollars per acre pricing. Uh, in your area for good dirt, are we in that fifteen thousand dollars per acre range? Or uh, I'm you sure know. you probably have had some auctions in your area in the last few months. Yeah, twelve to eighteen is what the last few have gone for, which is unbelievable. Because the last piece of ground I bought was two thousand, a little over two thousand, and I, geez, I about killed me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you well, know, um, you do a lot of dog paddling, try to pay the bank back, and yeah. it's just different times now. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I think most of the listeners know if they've been listening to the podcast, but uh, I ended up buying 150 acres over in, uh, well, just north of uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, July of 2020, you know price of corn was like high twos, low threes, and yep. nobody yep. was interested in buying. I'm at this, I actually show up to the auction. There's only like 30 people there. They start the bid at, and this is decent CSR, about 80, you know, it's not, it's not 90, but 80 on that area is pretty good. Yeah. And they start the auction at 5,000. There wasn't one bid. They dropped it to $3,000 an acre. And finally one farmer started bidding. And then I bid it at finally got it for about $6,000 an acre. And it's not that I was smart or anything. I just lucked into doing it at the right time, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And um, a young man that works for me, I have high school kids work for me and his dad and brother and mom bought a legacy farm, something that their great grandma had had or something. And yeah, it was, it was over, I think it was about 17,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, it's going to take all of you to pay for that, you know. Exactly, exactly. So, so I guess uh, you know, you came back to the farm and you took over, sort of started taking over for your for your dad and your grandpa. What what did you do right, and maybe what did you do wrong? Well, I guess um, I what livestock. I came back, and what I always tell kids as I I think I can call them kids I'm old but um, 
uh, young people who want to come home to the farm, as I said, you have to work for the farm. The farm does not work for you. Don't think you come back and you get paid big bucks like you were going off, you know, to a real job, as I call it. But um, I was, I did work research in the wintertime um, for uh, St. Jenna. It was at Northrop King back then. So I okay. wasn't afraid to work and find other jobs um, to pay the grocery bills, you know, things like that. And um, I think that's, I was just not being afraid to look for other opportunities while you're still working on the farm. Um, you know, I worked out a deal with dad and grandpa. I traded labor for the corn to feed my hogs. I had a farrow to finish then. And, um, you know, we just made it work. You have to find a way to make it work, you yeah. know, right or wrong. That's That's what worked for us. And then Let's see, in 93, I took over the whole farm. Now, if any of you from Iowa remember the floods of 93, that was a great year to take over <laughs> an entire farm. But when my grandpa said, this is the worst year I can ever remember, and I always got to hear about the winter of 36, trust me, or the summer. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I thought, good, I'm getting it out of the way right away. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was, a pretty, that was a pretty bad year. We got stuck a lot that year. But... Um, so I think, you know, just looking for different ways to make things to make things work on the farm. You just you can't no farm is the same. No two situations are the same. So whatever works for the farm and makes that farm successful. Uh, what I wish I would have done more was buy more ground when I was young. You know, yeah. I really do. Of course, that's hindsight now when ground was, you know, it was I think we bought two. Grandpa bought 200 a 240 for like $600 an acre and the 200 right next to it was for sale. And I really wanted to buy it, but it was, you know, you're young, you're not, yeah. you're not yeah. making money, but yeah. oh, well, that's the yeah. way it goes. So. Yeah. 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 I, I remember my, uh, my parents in the early sixties, they bought uh, a couple of different uh, farms. And I think the average was about a hundred dollars an acre, maybe $150 an acre. And, now you know if you were to buy those farms or sell those farms you know you're five to ten thousand dollars an acre and yep. and we have other ground in our area if if, if it's a suitable for vineyard property might be twenty thousand twenty five thousand dollars an acre so it's it's uh, yeah I, I think the key is with land as long as you can afford it over a 10 20 30 year period yep. you're never going to lose money you know exactly as long as you can get through that initial five or 10 years of, of struggling to, you know, get it paid for. That's what um, I was called dog paddling and keeping your nose above water. And yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause exactly. I was fortunate. I paid for not my first, the second piece of ground I bought, I paid for it in 11 years, but that's when ethanol came in and we took that, you know, we went from two to three to five, the new uh, yep. average. So I just, I just started paying for it and the I just figured the quicker I got that paid off the better and I'm glad I did that now. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, I, I bought some of these farms for cash and then some of them I owe, owe debt on and I was thinking, well, maybe I should try to pay off the debt because I probably could, but then at a two and a half, three percent interest rate, <laughs> why in the right. world am I eager to pay it off i mean especially now with rates you know three points higher so i exactly. i think i'm just going to leave it as is and and not worry about it so yep. But, yep. Uh, um well you know so you and i are approximately the same age i think we're actually pretty close to the same age 
but you know, you do see that there are younger producers out there. Um, do you have any advice for those younger producers other than buy land? <laughs> other than buy land? Um, well, and if I do get asked this question a lot when I speak um, from younger producers, especially young women um, that say there's no room for me on the farm, but I really want to go home and farm. And I said, then get good at something that that farm has to pay for. Yeah. You know, I said, or, you know, whether it's, you know, get an agronomy job, um, you know, a salesman that way, and then you close to home and you can work on the farm or nobody loves grain marketing. I do. Yeah. I actually yeah. enjoy it, but but if you can if you can just be able to study the markets and look at it and market and be able to do that for the farm, um, that's usually a big headache that uh, any farmer would be glad to give up. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Especially us guys, you know, us yeah. guys, we'd rather be on the combine or the tractor mm -hmm. than uh, than dealing yeah. with marketing or anything like that. So, uh, I was so telling. Good. I was uh, riding with my cousins yesterday, and because uh, uh, our our wheat market out here peaked out about a month ago at twelve forty five a bushel that. on on soft yeah. white, and I, I told my cousin I sold some wheat at twelve forty five. The problem is I didn't sell enough, you know, because yeah. now it's down to <laughs> nine or nine fifty, and which is still a good price. I mean, historically, any any anything for wheat in the nines or tens, you know, you're gonna you can sell it all day long but again us guys we get a little greedy and uh, and if it's at 12 it's obviously going to go to 15 and it doesn't so uh, and that's the farmer in me i feel the same way so about 13 or 12 or no 13 years ago i went to my local extension guy and i said listen i need to be able to focus on the markets and and just get the facts and i know i'm not the only woman out there and the guys all wanted to meet you know, early in the morning, well, most women are getting kids ready to go to school, yeah. or a bunch yeah. of other stuff. So we started a women's grain marketing group that long ago. And um, we have just had a ball doing that. We have speakers come in and um, Chad Hart gives us the slides every from Iowa State University. Yeah. He gives yeah. us slides every month and we do that like November through um usually early April, but um, yeah. it really just helps you get a handle on it, why things are happening. Uh, we we have guest speakers, sometimes Naomi will call yeah. in, yeah. you know, yeah. so yeah. we we really have a good time with that. And um, it's just helped me focus way more on, you know, maybe, maybe you need to pay attention to your gut, you know, yeah. that old yeah. gut feeling has something to say about it. So, you know, well, that's, what, I, that's what I, in the farm, uh, so, um, you know, with my dad and grandpa, it was the harder you worked, the better, the more money you made. You know, that was that area era. Yeah. And yeah. I would go to marketing meetings and they would make me, you know, miss a half a day and they'd make me work twice as hard. And I said, I don't think you realize I'm making this farm more money by knowing how to market correctly than yeah. working hard. And so yeah. they they finally agreed. So, yeah, that's like my oldest son. A lot of times he says, Dad, it's not work harder, it's work smarter. And then I think to myself, well, you're just saying that because you want to go play golf this afternoon. So uh, I, I, I know what you're, what you really mean there. So, well, and certainly the studies have shown, and I don't know if this is really true, but the studies that I've read and, and so on show that women are better marketers than us men because they typically are not as emotionally attached to that crop. I mean, exactly. I, I think, 
and and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, uh, you know, those guys were out there. You know, well, actually, my favorite activity on a farm is is driving, operating the combine, and watching that wheat or that corn come right through the combine. And I'm thinking to myself, well, every ten feet, that's another hundred bucks or ten bucks or whatever it might be. So that's uh, there's just something therapeutic about being on that combine. Well, that and it's pretty much the easiest job on the farm, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially, especially your auto auto steer. You know, you turn around, you push that button, and away it goes. Now, now out in our area, April, you know, we got some steep hills out here, and it's not necessarily the easiest uh, easiest job out here. You got to, yeah, matter of fact, we were because my my cousins just got a well, it's a couple year old eighty two fifty Case IH eighty two fifty, and I was riding with them, and we we're going up a. Uh, not a steep hill, but you know maybe a thirty-five percent slope, and 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 you start seeing, and he's got the rear wheel assist going, and you and I was looking down at the front tires, and you saw them start to jump a little bit. You know they would it would go, and then it would it would stop, and then it would go, and then it would stop, and and we were like, are we going to make it to the top of the hill? Because sometimes you don't, and we yep. made it to the top of the hill. So so yep. you typically don't have that issue in Iowa. No, no, I got a couple hills, but not nothing like that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I was so, uh, usually when I do a speaking engagement, I show a slide, and it's it's me on my dad's Massey Harris 92H in 19 early 1960s, and uh, it's a little hard to tell on the slide because you know pictures don't show how steep that ground is. But what I do tell them is that field you see on that slide is about a 150 acre field. And from the bottom of the field to the top of the field is 450 feet of elevation change. So they understand that. So yeah, then they go, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And then I tell them on the backside, it in a 40 acre field was 300 feet of elevation change. And we, <laughs> we farmed that until we finally sold it. So that, yeah, that, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message, and then we'll come back and uh, we'll talk about a little bit more on the succession side for your farm operation. Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast. Uh, I'm Paul Neifer, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with April Hemis from North Central Iowa. Uh, so, uh, you know, before we got started with the podcast, April, you were explaining to me a little bit of a unique uh, happening. Well, maybe not unique, but uh, parts of it were unique as far as how you bought out your siblings and, and so on. Let's go through what happened there. Sure. Um, well, to take you way back, um, before we had, you know, before they had the uh, tax, when we still had taxes on farmland, yeah. I said to my dad and grandpa, I said, you need to do something because I'm not going to work for the federal government the rest of my life paying these taxes. 
and they just ignored me. So when dad retired, my brother, who's not on the farm, called and wanted his money off that farm right now. And I said, he's not dead. He's just retiring. So that was the kick in the rear they needed to get something going. So they both, my dad and my dad was an only child. So my grandpa and grandma and my dad both had tr both had trust. So mm -hmm. um, and then they did the generation skipping. So grandpa's trust went to us four kids. I have two sisters and a brother. And then um, he passed away. And then um, we um, I offered to buy out the trust when my dad passed away because he had lifetime use of my grandpa's trust. Yep. You know how all this goes. So. Yep, yep. Um, so then um, two of them jumped on it right away. You know, I got with my bank and I was always, I think the key to this was I was always very transparent with them. There was no secrets. This is what we're doing. This is how it's written, where my, my parents' generation were sometimes very secretive with their children. Yeah, and I, yeah. I said, you know what? That's not fair to them. They have to plan. Well, it's my ground and, you know, you know. Yeah, how. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So I was very transparent with them and um, said the lawyer and the banker got and I got together. We set a fair price. Um, this is what it is. It's not high. It's not low. It's per CSR, corn suitability rating here in Iowa. Yep. And, um, and two of them said yes. And it's the one that makes the most money um, said, well, I really need to see more numbers. And finally, and luckily, she's my youngest sister. And I said, no, what you need to know is you're going to either own this with me or you're going to start a big fight with the trust not with me you know if you want more money and is it really worth that to you breaking up this family for whatever you know ten fifty thousand yeah. dollars more yeah. and she yeah. said you're absolutely right she said grandpa and dad would have wanted this to happen so let's do it and i went holy crap so I called the lawyer right away, but the kicker to all this was all of their spouses stayed completely out of it. And mm -hmm. I thanked them and I thanked them. I thanked them. I said, you don't understand. This doesn't always happen. Um, thank you very much. And they all said, it's not our deal. It was their deal. You know, yeah. so yeah. I just got really lucky. But I think the key was just being transparent, you know, yeah. through, throughout I the whole process. Yeah, you bring up a good point because, like I say, the the generation before us uh, historically was definitely more secretive, or maybe just didn't just wanted to avoid the subject. You know, they yeah. they're oh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to. You know, they don't want to rock the boat, and and be fair to the other kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I, April, I will admit, I think this, you know, I've done a, I haven't done quite a hundred of these podcasts, but I'm getting close to a hundred of them. And it's the first time I think I've heard the term, holy crap on my podcast. So I, I <laughs> well, appreciate I that. Well, I another word and I stop and I went, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is a podcast. I've listened to podcasts where they say the magic F word. We won't yeah, go that no. far, but, uh, and, and this no. is a farm related podcast. So, you know, crap, we, we've crap. seen a lot of that. So okay. yeah, that's, that, that, that's okay. So, but, uh, and, and also, so you have a unique or a little bit of a unique, um, 
situation with your succession to the next generation. Share with the audience, uh, you know, what's happening there, or what what sort of unique, well, not unique, but unique to your situation. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not unique for, you know, a lot of parents out there. But, um, and what made me think of this was, you know, you were at Top Producer talking about succession planning, and then it was a subject that, you know, you talked about the next generation, and I thought, well, and my and I was we're get, I have this almost all in line now, but so we had two children. We lost our son at age 22, and so through the succession plan, my lawyer looked at me and said, "What are you going to do if something happens to your daughter?" And I went, "Oh, me of all people, should have thought of that, you yeah. know." So what are and and we're not talking a couple of hundred dollars here you know you're talking millions of dollars of farmland because yeah. we own everything so um it was a it was a really big thought process for me and a good discussion with my husband and i and uh locally i have a good friend who manages a charitable trust of farmland that other another couple left and so i talked with her and so that's what you know i our daughter will manage it we'll get everything but if something happens to her we decided to put it into a charitable trust so sometimes when you're doing the succession planning it really you have you have to dig deep and you yeah. have to go where is everything going to go who's going to get what am i going to have to sell something you know so um it was really good for us to go through that you know and and now it's done you know yeah. it's like yeah. phew and um, I don't see us changing it at all. My dad had a revocable trust, and um, he liked to go in and change a lot. Yep. And I'm yep. sad, you know. So, so, um, but that's that's something to think of. If you have one or only a few, um, you know, heirs, really put some thought into it. Yeah, it. You know what I tell people on succession planning? It's a case of a whole bunch of what ifs. So. What if this happens? What do you what do you want to do? What if this happens? What do you want to do? Now we also have to realize we're never going to know all the what ifs. I mean, exactly. there's there, it, you know uh, you know man plans and then God steps in and screws up the plan, so to speak. So that you know that's the one thing uh, that we have to watch out for. Well, it's even like in my situation, not on the farm, but you know uh, the reason I'm actually with uh, the current firm I'm with is about 12 years ago. Uh, I was with a smaller firm. I had two partners. You know, we're working. We get along great. We're all working 3,000 hours a year, whatever you want to call it. And yep. then for whatever reason, my one partner, the day before Thanksgiving, went down in the basement of our office in our one office and hung himself. So, and and, yeah. and we had life insurance, but the life insurance, the suicide clause kicked in and we got like $3,500 back on our premium instead of a couple million dollars. So, uh, uh, and, and with it being the day before Thanksgiving, we got tax season coming up. Uh, okay. You know, we're all working hard anyway. So, yeah, it was just, and like I say, you, you go in into that, oh, that's never going to happen. Well, it happens. So, you know, those it are the things happen. you have to watch out for. Exactly. And, and you said it right. You cannot plan for everything, but you have to stop and think um, if, do you want this, someone else deciding this for you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, like I talked to my daughter and and she's she lives in Seattle. She's in Washington and um, probably will not come back 
to the farm, but is what really will manage it. You know, yeah. Yeah. frankly, a lot of her generation, it, farm kids, especially around me, you know, they're off on their jobs, don't look like they're going to come back to the farm, but they're more than willing to manage it. Yeah. You know, they yeah. want to keep, they know the importance of that asset. And yeah. it's like I told my siblings, farmland is a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're ran it out every year. So, um, yeah, so she's, she's looking forward to that, but, um, we kind of made a team for her. I said, why don't, not just the bank, you know, because they'll have their own interests, but you know, she has an almost brother, we call him and, and a guy who, um, my chemical and fertilizer guy who's younger than me. And, and, uh, you know, who knows him well, or she knows him well. So trusted advisors along yeah. the way. Yeah, and you exactly. have to think far enough ahead for that. Yeah, 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 no. You know, it's like I say, it's that family legacy. Uh, you know, the farm's been in the family or parts of the farm have been in the family for over 120 years. And, you know, that's important for that legacy. Exactly. Yep. And, and, and like I say, you know, it keeps on giving. It's never going to disappear. Um, you, you can go out there and touch it, feel it, feel it, walk on it. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's just something about it that, uh, that's very important, at least to me, I know that. Oh, exactly. And I think, oh, I mean, that's what uh, we were talking earlier about the price of land. That's what a lot of investors are, are feeling too. They want to buy and they're, they're jumping in the market because they want to have that tangible asset, which yep. makes it kind of hard for us to, you know, be able to afford, but yeah. you know. That's the way it goes. That's yeah, yeah. farming. And and again, farmers are very uh, adaptive. Uh, you, the, we'll figure out a way to 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 thrive even in that situation. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, I always ask a couple questions when we get to the end of the podcast. And the uh, oh, first question. I've had so much fun. Well, we could, uh, you know, we could go for an hour and a half, but I think my I audience would be that. turning it off after about 40 <laughs> minutes. So, yeah. so uh, but okay. uh, first, first question for you, April, is what keeps you up at night? Uh, well, right now, please let it rain. But yeah. um, um, it used to be paying the bank back every year. But now, yeah. you know, since I'm older, it's it's gotten a little bit better. But uh making sure my family's uh, healthy and well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely important. Yep. And then uh, the last question I ask is, uh, what's your definition of success in farming? Uh, I'll give the age-old farmer answer. Passing on this farm so it's in better shape, healthier soils, and can produce more to the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I am I'm the chair of the AICPA Ag Conference, and we're having our conference next week in Denver. And as part of that process, uh, the AICPA has sort of hired this person. He's been asking me these questions, and I keep looking at these questions. You know, one of the questions is, you know, the farmers need to be more interested in water and environmental quality and uh, other management. And I'm like, What's hey. Doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going. This is a Gen Z type person that really has never been on a farm, doesn't understand what farming is, 
doesn't understand the really the priority for the farmer is to have good water, good environmental quality, and leave the farm in better shape than than they than they took it over to begin with. Exactly, and I do a lot of interviews, and we have to be more regenerative, or you know all this stuff. And you explain every. I said, listen, I'm doing everything you want me to do. Yeah, you know, I've yeah, got cover yeah. crowds, I've got edge of field practices, so the water's cleaner, I no-till, yeah. you know, all these yeah. things. So I have healthier soils, so it produces more. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we yeah. just need to, quite frankly, we farmers need to do a better job about telling our story and um, and what we do and how we care for everything on the farm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, again, April, this has been great having a conversation with you. Uh, we'll need to do it again. We'll 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 we'll, have, we'll find another time to have a conversation. Again, we won't do an hour and a half, but, but we can certainly <laughs> do a 30 or 40 minute conversation. That sounds great, Paul. Anytime. Okay. Again, this is the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Nefer, your host, signing off. <laughs>